Morning, everybody. It's fun to be here. My name is Sandra Unger, Dr. Unger, as Robert keeps saying. I worked here like 20 years ago, and then I didn't work here, and then I worked here again, and now I run the movie theater. So it's been a fun journey. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, it takes a doctor to run a movie theater. You go. All right, let's pray. God, thanks for the day. Thanks for the beauty of the day. Thank you for the people and the beauty of the people. We thank you for your hands that reached out to us. We thank you that you are the king that we can praise. We're blessed to be here. We're blessed to be in your presence. Speak to us. Give us your words. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, I forgot my box of Baptist. Just a second. I brought a box of Baptists here today because I was born in this box. I'm going to see if I can still fit in it. Okay, I can fit. It's a little bit of a tight fit. But I was born in a box, and it was a box of Baptists. And I want to qualify this a little bit because Woodland Hills is actually a Baptist church, and I don't want to offend all of the wonderful Baptists here, even if you didn't know you were a Baptist. (laughs) I was raised a different sort of Baptist, so I just want to clarify that I'm talking today about my Baptists, those Baptists, not these Baptists. So just to clarify, this is my box. I was born in it. Everyone in my family, I got to get out of it. And most of our friends and the people we were around were in this box. And it was full of good people who went to church three times a week. Let's see if you know which three times. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night prayer meeting. We were there every time. Everybody was there. We tried to live right. We read our Bibles. We prayed. We waited for Jesus to return. And we thought everyone should be in our box. We prayed for people who are not in our box. We prayed for their eternal destiny. And maybe you weren't born in a Baptist box, but you were born in some box. I want you to think today about what are the confines of the box that you were born in? What is your box? This was my box. And as a kid, I just want to say the Baptist box is very stressful because we were told that we couldn't really associate with people who are outside our box. We shouldn't really be friends with them, but we did have to make sure that they didn't burn in hell. And so think about it. I'm a kid and I'm going to public school and I'm all day with mostly people who are not in my box. So I can't really be friends with them, but I have to make sure they don't burn in hell. This is a lot for a 10-year-old to deal with. I mean, seriously, it was very stressful. So we had other boxes when I was growing up out there that we looked at and dealt with and tried to figure out what to do with. And I'm going to tell you what some of these boxes are. The first one is the box of people from other religions. Look at me, Alvana. People from other religions. There are two E's in this. Um, These were people who had different gods and different Bibles, and who knew what they would do. We were very concerned about them. We were so concerned that sometimes people would jump out of our box and run over to their boxes to try to tell them about Jesus, even if their boxes were in other countries. We were committed to trying to get these people out of the other religions. And then I had a box of Catholics. Anybody raised in the Catholic box? It's a very tiny box, right? (laughs) We were concerned about the eternal destiny of the Catholics because the Catholics had the Pope thing, And they worshipped Mary, and we just were not sure what was going to happen to them. And actually, we weren't sure about the Presbyterians or the Methodists or the Lutherans either. But I'm just going to have the Catholics represent all of the non-Baptist Christian denominations. So there we go, you Catholics. Get right in your box. All right, and then we had the box that we were most concerned about because so many people were in this box. And this is the box of screw-ups. Yep, it's, it's a pretty big box. 
And we concentrated a lot of our time on these screw-ups. They were people who had made mistakes. They were people who had messed up their lives. They were people who couldn't get it together. And this could be anything from, from alcoholics to adulterers to drug addicts, child abusers, liars, single moms. The list went on and on. But this list tends to change over time. Because back in my day when I was growing up in this Baptist box, the the divorced people were in the screw-up box. And now I'm pretty sure that the divorced people can even be in the Baptist box, right? (laughs) Also back in the day, the people who danced and played cards were in the screw-up box. And actually, I think they might still be. I'm not sure. (laughs) We believe that these people, all of these people really needed us. These people, the screw-ups... The Catholics, the other religions, they needed people from the Baptist box to come and tell them what was really true because they were all screwed up and we were not. We had no obvious problems, which allowed us an enormous amount of energy and time to focus on people with all of these problems. And so what we did, we did some really helpful things, like like we threw tiny tracts and Bibles, tiny Bibles and tracts, into their boxes. We said, look, here's the truth. You guys are wrong. (laughs) Look at, read this thing. Now, Greg talked about tracts a couple weeks ago. In my church, the tracts were these black and white drawings of people burning in hell. Good news! You can burn in hell if you don't agree with everything we're saying. We invited them to evangelistic crusades. Anybody ever done the evangelistic crusades? We invited them to Christmas pageants. We invited them to Easter cantatas. I've heard you're not actually having a cantata here, uh, just an Easter service. I don't know what a cantata is, but it was a word that was fun to say when we were children. So we invited them to all these things, and then we dropped them back off into their boxes of bad theology and screwed up lives. We didn't actually socialize with them. We didn't eat dinner with them. We didn't hang out with them because they were bad people who were going to burn in hell. That was really how we saw it. So we weren't going to be friends. We just had to throw tracks at them. And... In hindsight, I have to admit that our box had a lot in common with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were part of a sect within Judaism that had meticulous laws about everything, how you should do everything, when you should do everything, who you should do everything with, detailed, detailed, detailed rules about every aspect of life. They had 613 laws. So there's the Old Testament laws, and then there's all the oral tradition that they put on top of that. And so 613 things about, for instance, the way that you should bathe before you eat bread, the way that you should bathe after you go to the market, what you should eat. Like you can't eat fruit from a tree that's been planted less than four years ago. So you better check your calendars on that one. You cannot eat insects if, or even touch their carcasses. You cannot eat or touch the carcass of a flying insect with four legs unless the legs are hinged jointed. If they have joints in them, then you can eat them, just in case you need to know for after the service today. The root of the word Pharisee means separated ones. And this actually is all too familiar because in my Baptist box, in every way that we could be, we were separated from everyone else. We were better than everybody else. We didn't sin like everyone else. We didn't struggle like everybody else. We didn't hang out with everybody else. We were separated. And we actually also had a huge list of rules. I don't know how many, but I think there were more than 613. So here's some examples. You could not say Jiminy Cricket. Because saying Jiminy Cricket was like saying Jesus Christ as a swear word. So you couldn't stub your toe and say Jiminy Cricket. Because then you went to the screw-up box. 
You could not say cheese and crackers for the same reason. So if you're yelling for your mom for cheese and crackers, you had to be super careful that she was clear what you were doing. What even is that? Seriously, you couldn't, you could watch a movie on TV or on a VCR when those were invented, but not in a, th- in a movie theater. You couldn't listen to rock music because we all know that rock music is the devil's music. And you couldn't play with a normal deck of cards. You could only play with, does anyone know? Rook, rook cards. I don't know the difference because they have the same number of cards. They just didn't have the faces of the of Jack, Queen, King. Maybe those are devil faces. I don't know. But you had to play with rook cards. You couldn't play with regular cards. Um, my older brother was in the choir at our church, and then he grew a beard, and they told him he couldn't sing in the choir with a beard. So here's what's super interesting. Because the Pharisees had a rule, and it's in Leviticus, that you can't trim the sides of your beard. So you obviously have to have a beard to not trim the sides. Move ahead to the 1970s Baptist church and you couldn't sing in the choir with a beard. Whose rules are these? It's just completely insane. My husband's brother uh, sang a song at church and played the piano at the same time. And then they had a huge amount of pushback from the overseers of this church because you, if you sing and play the piano at the same time, it's too nightclubbish. So <laughs> I'm not making this up. I called my mom yesterday. I'm like, tell me some more of those fun stories from our childhood at church. She went on for like three hours straight. It was a little bit ridiculous and it just went on and on and on. And it's funny, but not so much because really what I'm describing is a community that was very intolerant of people who were different, judgmental of people who didn't live up, arrogant, unforgiving, prideful, self-righteous. And we thought we had the corner on truth. Even about these small things, about nightclub singing and beards in the choir. Even at the age of 10, I knew this. At the age of 10, I was clear that you cannot have a beard and sing in the choir. And I was adamant about it. This was my gospel. Being judgmental and arrogant and self-righteous and all of those things are clearly sinful. But they were okay sins, apparently, to my Baptists and to the Pharisees. The sins that counted were the ones that we didn't do, the list that we made. So we didn't steal, we didn't take drugs, we didn't dance at weddings. So those were the really terrible sins that counted. And we were so impatient with these people who wouldn't come around to our box, to our truth. We were judgmental with them because they were taking too long to understand what was really true. They couldn't get their acts together. They couldn't follow our list of rules. We loved them and we didn't want them to burn in hell, but we didn't love them up close. And I think maybe we were trying actually to convert them more to our box of Baptists than we were to this beautiful Jesus, the God of the universe. We just wanted them to get in our box. Dave's, my husband Dave's uncle um, never went to church. He wasn't on board with all this that the rest of the family was doing. And one day he and his wife decided, hey, let's, we should go to church. We should try this thing. It seems to be working for some people. So they went to church, sat through the service, and it was a Baptist church. And so they went to, after the service, they went up to talk to the pastor and they got in a conversation about their lives and they ended up admitting or saying that his uncle drove a beer truck for a living. And the pastor said, well, you can't drive a beer truck and come to this church because that's what Jesus would say. In our church, my church growing up, this wonderful young couple came And they were really fun and had a lot of energy and got involved in a lot of things. Everybody liked them. So they decided after several months that they were going to join the church. And in the course of the joining interview, the membership interview, it came out that she ran a children's dance studio. 
And so they couldn't join the church. Because David can dance before the Lord with all his might. But if you teach children tap dance, you can't join the Baptist church. This is the reality. It's absolutely insane. Here are some things that Jesus said about the Pharisees. See what you think about this. From Matthew 23. The scribes and the Pharisees tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but on the inside are full of bones, full of the dead, and all kinds of filth. So you also on the outside look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Were the people in my box doing these things? Putting burdens on people that were hard to bear? Telling them they have to quit their job driving a beer truck so that you can even attend church? Were we neglecting justice and mercy? Looking good on the outside while being filthy on the inside? Were we hypocrites? It seems like we were. Now, this whole deal is not just an intellectual exercise. It's not just academic to say, how were the Baptists in the 70s and 80s in comparison to the Pharisees of the first century? Because people are hurt by this. This isn't just something to discuss because this damages people. Jesus is hurt by this. There were people in my church back in the day who were divorced, who were alcoholics, who were single moms. They'd been in jail. They'd had a kind of a rough life. Even as a kid, though, I heard the whispers like, those people, that lady's divorced, but we're going to try to be nice to her. They were second-class citizens. There was actually a 20-year-old who came to our young adult group. Some of my siblings were in it, and I was younger. And it came out that even at the age of 20, he had already been divorced. He had been through just some really rough stuff, and he was trying to get his life together, and he came back to church and went to our young adult group. Well, when the overseers of the church found out that he had been divorced, they informed him that he could not come to the young adult group because he had been divorced, and he obviously had made a lot of mistakes, and of course he couldn't run off with one of our young women. And so he couldn't come to the group. This is the message that was going on, and this damages people. There was a tiny box in the corner of this box that was for these people that lived under a different set of rules. They weren't allowed to come to the young adult group. They weren't allowed to work in the nursery. They're not allowed to teach Sunday school because they were screw-ups hiding in the Baptist church. And some of them kept coming year after year after year after year, living under this kind of shame and labeling. And I don't have any idea but why they kept coming, but this is what happens when we set up boxes and label people and shame people. But it's not just these people who are in the second-class citizen box in the corner of the Baptist box who are damaged. People who are raised in this reality often have a hard time with authenticity throughout life. So maybe they're not in the corner of the box as people who have these problems. They're people in the larger Baptist box who have these problems that they're not allowed to talk about, right? So they were raised to put up a front that says, I am not a screw-up. So they go through life, I'm Baptist, and I'm awesome, and I have the corner on truth, and I'm not going to tell you if I struggle with anything. You have to hide your sins when you're in this box. So when they struggle on the inside with temptations that no one can see related to sex or violence or drugs or whatever, they can't tell anyone. They can't even be honest with themselves, and maybe they can't even be honest with God. 
They really, really think they're better than everybody else because they've even convinced themselves that those, those are not my problems or no one has seen them, so they aren't real. Um, my sins are smaller compared to everybody else's. And what's happening is they're living as Pharisees and they don't even know it. So they have all these laws separating themselves from God and from other people. And when they fail at the laws, they can't admit it. So they end up isolated, not living authentic relationships. So here I am in this box, and I'm starting to think this is more like a Pharisee box than anything else. So I started seeing a trend of people, including family members, coming out of this box. So I thought, well, I'm going to get on board with that because I don't want to be a Pharisee. And so I got out of the box, kind of kicked it aside, and I started looking around for a new box. And the choices were limited because most people were just in the screw-up box, and I sure wasn't going to get in this box. Like, really? So this was, this was off the table. Catholic? Really? I'm not going to do that, that Mary thing. And then the other religions. Well, that's not an option. So there wasn't another box to join. So I did what most Westerners do is I created another category, and it is the not Pharisees, not screw-ups box. So compelling. So compelling. And this box is just a tiny bit closer to all of these other disasters over here. And it had a little bit more room, right? So, look, I can fit in it better. I can even dance in this box. <laughs> it was such a good balance. So I'm, I'm not quite there, right? But I'm not here all the way back to the screw-ups and the people with bad theology. Um, we admitted in this box that we had a few problems. We just didn't have a ton of problems like the people in the other boxes. We didn't want to judge them because we didn't want to be judged. So we kind of got that part right. But we needed to keep our distance because we didn't want to be mistaken for screw-ups. See, so if, if I move too close to here, that could be a problem. So you still had to keep a little bit of a distance. Get out of here. Okay, so I spent a little bit more of time in this box. And here's what's interesting in hindsight is we were defined by what we were not. We were defined by what we did not do. So we didn't judge people like the Pharisees but we didn't screw up too much like the people in this box. And it's so much easier to follow a list of don'ts than a list of do's. It's much more measurable to say, did you keep this rule than did you love others? Well, I'm really clear that I didn't smoke. <laughs> Not clear on the loving part. So let's just go with a list of don'ts. It's so often the case because giving people a list of do nots is about control. And in this system of boxes, control is really, really, really important. You have to control people. We determined who got into our boxes by what they did not do. So smoking, drinking, driving a beer truck, here. Arrogance, judgment, unforgiveness, here. Whoops, the other one's supposed to be there. See, I put the smokers in the Baptist box. This is how confusing the system gets. So if you're going to drive a beer truck, you go over here. If you're going to be arrogant, you can be a Baptist. We decided who was in which box. We decided if they were getting into heaven. It's so much power. Freedom is what we're called to. But that scares people in these boxes. Giving people freedom to do something and be something and act in this world is terrifying to people in these boxes because you cannot control free people. But in 2 Corinthians 3.17, Paul tells us that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we continued to throw our tiny Bibles and tracts into the boxes. Even from this box, we had tiny Bibles and tracts. And we threw them in there 
and we invited them to church and events, and sometimes they found Jesus. So this was a cool thing. We'd see people starting to move away from their screwed up life. But here's what really horrified us is sometimes they would jump out of this box and they would jump right into the box of the Baptist slash Pharisees. People tend to like the extremes, right? In Matthew 23, Jesus continues talking about the Pharisees and says, How terrible for you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you pretenders. You travel everywhere to win one person to your faith. Then you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Wow, we were making children of hell. Something must be wrong with our formula if we're creating children of hell. I mean, that's just sort of obvious, right? But I saw it happen. I saw people who had really, really messed up lives and they found Jesus and they became people who didn't drink, smoke, dance, see movies, play cards, or associate with anybody who did. They didn't find freedom in Christ. They found a whole list of rules. So then what we did is from my new box, we judged those people who had jumped into the wrong box. You Pharisees, we said. And so we tried to rescue them and drag them into our not Pharisees, not screw-ups box. So it seemed like I had not really moved very far from where I started. It seemed like we were still kind of in the same box. Was this new box I had jumped into any more free or loving, any less judgmental than the Pharisee box? Was my box awesome? Because I wanted to be in an awesome box. Do do you all want to be in an awesome box? I want to be in an awesome box. And it seemed like my box was not awesome because I was not seeing people in these other boxes being drawn in and compelled by what my box was offering. No one was tearing up the cardboard to get in. So maybe it was not an awesome box. Because you know what the deal is. When something's awesome, it tends to attract people all by itself, by its reality. And when something is not awesome, you have to do a lot of sales and promotion. So it's kind of like the difference between the warriors and the timberwolves. With one of them, the tickets just sell. And with one of them, they do not. And I am not even going to say which one I'm talking about. If it's awesome, you don't need an expensive ad campaign, right? So here's my ad campaign for my box. This box features people who are not too screwed up and also not judgmental too much. Other features include a limited amount of judgment, a shorter do not do, do not list, looser wardrobe requirements, and you can eat any insects you want in this box, no matter how many legs they have. Okay, my box was not selling. So I want to look and see what the Bible has to say about boxes in general. Romans 2.1 says that when we pass judgment on another, we condemn ourselves because we are doing the very same things we are judging others for. So I guess I can't stand in either of these boxes because I was still judging people's sins and deciding their eternal destiny. In Luke 5.32, Jesus says, I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay, so Jesus seriously really did come for the screw-ups. 2 Peter 3.9, God is not willing that any should perish. So I guess Jesus is concerned about the people in all of the boxes. The good news is for all of the people in all of the boxes. So I thought I should get out of my box. So I did. I started visiting boxes with the screw-ups and the people who are very different from me. I made Muslim friends. I made ex-con friends. I made friends who drank tequila shots. I just branched out. I got to know everybody. And I realized that even with the construct that I had made with these boxes, that I was missing boxes. 
And interestingly, I was missing the very boxes that Jesus said he came for in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I did not even have boxes for these people. These are the people that Jesus wanted to bring the good news for, to minister to, to reach out to, to give his hands to. And I didn't even have boxes. I didn't even recognize them as people that Jesus loved. So I had to make more boxes. And it became exhausting to try to place everyone in the proper box and understand the rules for which box. And I had to visit all of the boxes. And I was making things very difficult. So I took another look into my boxes. And I realized that Jesus was already there. Jesus was already here in these boxes. He was reaching out for people. And he was loving people. And he was embracing people. And he was healing people. And he was bringing light and life and love. He was doing all of these work in these boxes that I was judging. There was no box that he was not in. And this is good news, not just for the Baptist, but for everyone. And here's another piece of good news that Jesus brought and lived out. And then we have the opportunity to be part of. And that is that there is only one box. Oops, except I got to get him in the right order. Because otherwise it doesn't work. So there's only one box and everybody's in it, except do we have to put the Baptists in it? I'm just wondering, because here's the thing. They do not want to be in the box labeled screw ups. Am I right? And I don't know if I want them there because I've got some pain. Do we have to put them in the box? Okay. We got to put them in the box. There you go. So this is an awesome box. It's an awesome box of screw ups, right? And It's an awesome box that Jesus came for. So when Jesus came down as a baby at the incarnation, he did not land in the Baptist box, right? Jesus landed in this whole earth full of screw-ups, which we are all a part of. And he embraced, and he did not separate himself, and he loved, and he ministered, and he served. And some of you are like, duh, I already knew I was in that box. I found Jesus a while ago, but I'm still screwing up. And so I was never thinking I was in any other box. And good for you because you beat me to it. <laughs> but some of you, if you were raised in any kind of a church like mine, have such a hard time admitting that this is your box. You want to be just, just a little bit better. You just want to be like, I'm going to be right here. I'm going to be right here. I can move this far. No. You have to be in the box because Jesus is in the box. But we still think, please, can I just have a little distance? I want to be a little bit more perfect than those people. But here's the good news, too, is I want to flip that. I want you to think about what good news it is for you that you do not have to be better than anybody else. What a relief to say, I'm a screw-up. I'm just going to admit it. I'm going to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to be real. I'm going to say, Jesus loves me anyway, and he can love you too. That is a relief, because guess what? No matter how perfect you think you are and how much of a Baptist you are, you got problems. And those are the problems that Jesus came to heal and to love you out of and to make you whole. You don't have to pretend to be anything you're not. You can just be real and you can be here in this box. 
Whatever you struggle with, whether it's a big thing or a small thing, it keeps you from being whole and it separates you from God, even if it's just a small thing in your mind. And whatever you struggle with, Jesus took care of it to make you whole and to make you right with God. That's where the power comes from. In Romans 3, 23 and 24, in the message, it says it really cool. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record of sinners, hello, welcome to the club, both us and them, and prove that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. That's the power. We are who Jesus came for. And when we find Jesus in a real way, there's no verse in the Bible that says, okay, we found Jesus, jump out the screw-ups box and now judge these people from a different box and love them from afar. It's just not the gospel. The gospel is up close. That's the point of Jesus coming as a baby. Here I am. I'm fully present. I'm in your stuff. I'm in your mess. I'm in your manger. So we stay in this box. But what do we do in this box? Well, good thing we have a book that tells us. Number one, we love, and we know this here at Woodland Hills Church. We love. John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How much better would this box be if we just had a crazy sacrificial love all the time for people around us, for people who are messed up and people who believe differently? How much more awesome would the screw-ups box be? So number one, we love. Number two, we hang out with those who have needs. In Luke 14, Jesus tells us that when we're inviting people for lunch, we should not invite our friends and our rich neighbors because they can repay us. No, he says, you need to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, because they can't repay you. So we have to reach out to people in need in this box. Number three, we hang out with all the other screw-ups. So Matthew 9 finds the Pharisees reprimanding Jesus and his disciples for eating with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus reprimands them right back and says, the sinners are who I came for. This is what I'm here for. In Luke 7, he let a prostitute anoint him with oil. He didn't keep his distance. He didn't put her in the corner of the box. He drew these people who were deeply sinful to him. He hung out with them. Number four, we serve. In James 1.27, it says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. It's interesting that in the box I grew up with, we thought we did an awesome job at refusing to let the world corrupt us, right? But we didn't do anything about caring for the orphans and widows in their distress. So we had this whole long list of ways to not be corrupted by the world, and we had no list for caring for the orphans and widows. And I really think it's a cause and effect kind of thing. We care for those in our box who have needs, and so we could become strong enough to not be corrupted by the world. So we love, we hang out with those who have needs, we hang out with those who are screwed up, we serve. How much easier is it to do all of these things from inside the box? Because I'm pretty sure you cannot eat lunch with people when you're over here and they're over there. You eat lunch with people because you're in their life, you're in their world. You cannot love from afar. You cannot care for orphans and widows from afar. It's something you do in the box. And this is evangelism to me. We stand with Jesus in the box of screw-ups because we are screw-ups and we serve as his hands and we have nothing to fear. We are the tracts 
So we hurl ourselves headlong into the box. We are here. We bring good news, good news of love and salvation and redemption and healing and wholeness. We live it out. We share it. This is evangelism. This is good news. And what a relief to tell my kids when they were 10 that not everyone's eternal destiny was on them. They were not responsible for that. But they should freely move in the world through the power of Jesus, loving people, accepting people where they were, having friends who thought differently than them, not thinking they were better than everybody else. They served those in need. And in every case, they were being light in the box. So I brought everybody a present today. You might have picked one up by the door. Did you get your present? If you, if you didn't get your present, they're by the door. I see you put yours together already. Good job. All right, so put them together. These are our boxes that we're going to take home with us to remind us that there's only one box, so we make a square. You guys know how to do this. I'm assuming you don't need step-by-steps. <laughs> fold in the bottom. Fold in the top. Now get your colored pencils out. We're going to... Nope, we're not going to do that. All right. So here's your boxes. There's more by the door if you didn't get one. And I want you to be fully in this box. So let's hold up our boxes and let's commit to be fully in our box. Jesus is in the box. We're in the box. The other religions are in the box. The Catholics are in the box. The Baptists are in the box. The screw-ups are in the box because we are all screwed up. And we have the power of Jesus that heals us in the midst of our screwed-upness. And Jesus wants you to be fully in this box. Can we do it? All right, let's do it. Here's a reminder of who we are in the box, just so we can be honest about who Jesus calls and how we are part of it and how we fit in the box. From 1 Corinthians 1. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when God chose you. Not many of you were considered wise by human standards. Not many of you were powerful. You were not. Not many of you belonged to important families. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the things of this world that are common and looked down on. God chose things considered unimportant to do away with things considered important. So no one can boast to God. No one can. Because of what God has done, you belong to Christ Jesus. He has become God's wisdom for us. He makes us right with God. He makes us holy and sets us free. It is written, the one who boasts should boast about what the Lord has done. And what the Lord is doing and what the Lord will do. There is not a box of separate better people that we get to join. God chose the screw ups and he makes us holy and he makes us free. So let's light up the box together. Let's do it. Let's pray. God help us light up the box. We can't do it alone because we're screwed up. Your power flows through us and we can love and we can serve and we can eat lunch and we can reach out. And as we pass people in need who are deeply hurting, we can be present. Help us to be in the box. Help us not to just jump into the box. Help us not to long to escape the box. That comes sometime down the road with you. But right now, help us be present. Help us use your power, your strength, your love to be with people to be with people who are broken and hurting and who have bad theology and who disagree with us and who are annoying. All of those people just help us be there. And we have every power we need to not be corrupted by the world because we have you. We have your spirit. Whisper to us. Tell us how to be your hands in this box. 
And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, come up to the front. Thank you for being here. God bless you today.